From the fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. This week on the show, we're talking about the brand new Whiskow. It looks awesome, it's easy to use, and I like it. Joining us on the show, from the Whiskow team, Guy Stoniker. Along with our regular geeks, Teresa Saldana and Andy Muschlewski. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and streaming worldwide on WSUM.org, please help me welcome my co-host, Ty Christian. Planet, check us out online, doit.withstudy.du forward slash radio. Check out our podcast on iTunes. Go to iTunes, type in Do It Live, and search for us. You can also email us radio at doit.withstudy.du. That's radio at doit.withstudy.du. Normally you could chat us, but today we are broadcasting from the past. Not the future nor the present. Yes, we are. Uh, this is a, we're, we've pre-recorded because uh, uh, because Andy uh, signed himself up for an ultimate fighting contest. Yeah, uh, and so he couldn't be there today. So we decided, you know, because he's going to fight the the. What was the name of the wrestler you were going to fight, Andy? Uh, Doctor Death. Doctor Death oh, was the name of the wrestler he was going to fight. So we are. <laughs> <laughs> so we are we are coming pre-recorded to you today. Uh, today we got a wonderful guest in the studio. Uh, we've got Guy Stoniker. He's going to be talking all about the brand new Whiskal that we've got going on. Um, and uh, but first, you know, as as always, we've got our our wonderful geeks in the studio. We've got Andy and Teresa. How's it going, guys? Hello. Great. All right, and uh, let's go ahead and start off the shoe the way that we start off all of the shoes, Teresa, with the news. Have you guys heard anything about Apple coming under fire for uh, selling um, the new iPad and, and talking about how you have 4G connectivity, but in a couple of the countries they're selling the iPad in, they don't have it? No. Yeah, basically <laughs> in, in Europe they got in trouble because uh-huh. some of the protocols weren't correct for some of the hardware. Right. So they're basically doing false advertising. So, so they're saying it's there false are, advertising. So there, there's, 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 um, I don't know if there's actually like lawsuits going on right now, but it's, um, yeah, they're just, they're coming under heat for basically false advertising for, for touting all these features and throwing it up on, you know, their, their websites, their, you know, their, um, you know, European and Australian, uh, you know, website counterparts that say, yes, you have 4G, and then the end users are saying, but you, but I don't. And actually, they started doing refunds, actually, I believe, in Australia, because for, for folks who felt that they may have been misled about the promises of everything magical that the iPad has really? to offer. Yep. Right, Full-on refunds? Yep. Huh? Basically, the infrastructure of those countries they for their networks there was different hardware involved and so mm-hmm. uh, the chipsets inside the iPads wouldn't work with them. That's interesting. Which is bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Um <laughs> but uh I, 
the, so the new iPads, the, the brand new iPads are are four G. The old ones are three G. Yes. Okay. I, I still have trouble keeping these G's together. You know. So many G's. Where, where, people, where are my force. G's at? You know that should be a that should be a website. Where my G's at? com. You can figure out where the four G's and the three oh, G's. Oh, we better buy up that domain name now. <laughs> can either of you even define what four G is? No, no one can. I, no I one can. No one can. Nobody knows. You know, it's, it's just faster. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, this is 4G, and this it's like—is that like high definition sound? Oh, yep. No. High definition sound. Oh boy. <laughs> Speaking of high definition sound, yeah. Did you guys? We've we've talked about this mastered for iTunes thing before. Have yep. we talked about yep, that? Yep, yep, yep. Mastered for iTunes. So, uh, oh yeah, I did read an article about that earlier today. There's there's more uh, news about that. Basically, uh, a, a industry uh, sound engineer, British. A recording engineer came out and basically said, that's a lot of hooey, <laughs> that um, mastering things at that lower bit rate is not any better than anything else. So yeah. it seems like Apple is really doing this, and, and th- the speculation is out there is that a uh, new Apple streaming uh, music service will be coming in shortly. Oh. That's basically why they're... So they're trying to get on like the Spotify bandwagon, the 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 Pandora bandwagon, as it is. Right, and I don't know. For for me, uh, I'm sure it's the same as for a lot of, uh, of our listeners out there that I rarely listen to my traditional music collection, even my, my iTunes yeah. library. I more or less listen to streaming you most know, the, of the time. The only time I can think of that I actually listen to uh, the the actual MP3s is is on my iPhone. So like when I'm traveling, sure. If I'm at work, I'll, I'll I'll pop on Pandora. I've got I actually have I actually I actually paid up the uh, the cash for. A, a full-on subscription to Pandora, the Pandora, the Pandora One, Pandora One, which it's is the it, best thirty-six dollars. Yeah, it's you it's, can spend. Um, because the the big, it's a great service. It's it's an awesome service, and the and the big deal for me was, uh, is that the stream the uh, the quality of the stream tra- uh, changes dramatically. So if you're listening for for people out there who understand what this is, when you're listening to Pandora, normally, as as far as I understand this, and email us radio at do it that study to you if I am wrong. Uh, with a subject line, Ty is wrong uh, in all caps. Uh, <laughs> as you're listening to Pandora without paying for it, you're listening in like 128 kbps stream. I, I believe that is correct. So 128 kbps is okay. It's doable. You know, it's not right. But we're talking, this. that's a little bit more like 1999 style. I mean, you know, it's 2012. Let's kick it up a notch. So if you pay for Pandora 1, you get 192 kbps. Which, unlike 4G, is an actual number. Mm-hmm. It means something. <laughs> it actually means something. And that's very close to what you would hear on a CD. That's not, true. It's true. Not quite mm-hmm. there, but... I think nowadays, at least for me with my music collection, um, uh, you know, I'll rip everything at 320 kbps, which is, which is darn near lossless. I mean... You know, Andy might might argue with me over that, but I mean, it's it, pretty close. It's pretty darn close. For most close. people's ears, they're not going to tell the difference, right? But. Um, and I would say that 192 is probably the lowest that I would even think about going. You know, if I if if I had to pick one that was like, you know, well, it's either this or nothing. You know, 192 would probably be like I won't download anything at 160 or 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 you know 128. Oh God, no, you know. And I mean, if you listen to an MP3 side by side, the same song at 128 versus 192 versus 320, even on terrible speakers, you can you can tell the difference. Oh yeah, yeah. So, you hear that wavy kind of 
digital sound. A lot of there. weird compression stuff going on there. But, <laughs> um, and you like this. I, I saw a Facebook post recently, and I think this was on Reddit, um, of someone who uh, took a screenshot of iTunes. And apparently there's an option in iTunes uh, when you plug in your iPhone or your iPod or whatever uh, to, to, to tell it, um, recompress all of my files to 128 kbps no! aac and the, and the, somebody took a screenshot of that and and you know they had it checked and they said i don't know what this does but suddenly i'm able to fit 5000 more songs on my ipod and all of the all of the people you know who know things but they're about, not worth listening to now yeah all the people who know things about music you know suddenly cried out and like no don't do that no so I, you know, here's does that the, have an undo button? Oh that's boy! The, yeah, once you do that, once <laughs> then you your do whole that, library is you can't go back. Ooh. At least you can your down convert, but you can't go back up. You can't up convert. No, 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 this isn't Photoshop. You just hear all the holes in it. Then, yep. yep. <laughs> actually, I saw um, basic that there was an article from Ars Technica that said actually the mastered for iTunes program can make a difference in quality of iTunes Store music. Burr. So you should go check that out, Andy. So well, yeah, there, there's that article, and I and and they they basically argue about you know the whole transition from analog to analog tape to CDs and how those original CDs weren't sounding very good. Mm-hmm. But this is a little different because you're starting out with a digital source, so that lossiness that happened in that conversion isn't really true. Doesn't really ring true for this. So. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think there's audio files out there that are never going to be happy with listening to <laughs> compressed ACC files. Right. Just not going to happen. Um, on a different subject, I'd like to just kind of jump over here. Did you hear that you, the UK, uh, lawmakers in the UK have, have stated that uh, uh, all ISPs in the UK have to block the Pirate Bay now? No way. Yeah. I did I did see that and then I saw like a few posts later. How would you go around yeah. <laughs> and block? How do how do unblock the pirate bay? That's that's the yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it's um I, I don't know the specifics of it because I didn't read through I just kinda skimmed it, but um apparently uh they have determined that uh, you know, the pirate bay is a bad site and now now they're they're specifically saying uh to UK ISPs, hey, you can't let anybody gain access to the Pirate Bay. So I wonder how they're actually doing that, if they're blocking them at the DNS level or, or what. Right. But, but, you know, even if they do that, you can use a proxy site to get around that and or, you know, go to mm-hmm. maybe a mirror site. They can't, I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, kids, that, you know, this is a good advice for uploading pictures on the Internet. Just remember, once you put it up on the Internet, it's there. Forever. Forever. You mm-hmm. can say that it's deleted. You can say that it's blocked. Somebody's going to find a way to find it. It's sitting on some server somewhere, and somebody's going to know how to get to it. So think about that. So that's that's basically what we're talking about here. And if you don't know what the, the Pirate Bay is, it's... It's, a, it's, it's a, not an actual bay. I would like to make that clear. The, and the Yar, UK is, there is not... There, they're not trying to stop, you know, people from getting to a bay full of pirates. It's not the Somali pirates. Yar. Or the Pittsburgh pirates, for that matter. Correct. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's a it's a it's a BitTorrent tracker site where uh, apparently people load all kinds of copyrighted material that mm-hmm. shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. and it's so be that f- other people can download it. It'd be full of illegal stuff that you can download. Yep. Don't, so don't you can understand you know. why you know why they would be interested in blocking <laughs> it because they don't want you know anybody to download pirated 
material. Well, companies in particular are definitely interested in, in, in blocking oh, yeah. it. And they get a lot of, um, the Pirate Bay gets a lot of, uh, uh, gets a lot of you know cease and desist letters. Oh, I bet that kind of thing. Apparently, they got a deluge recently. They just got a deluge of um, uh, takedowns from DreamWorks uh, to the Pirate Bay. Oh, I heard about uh, that too. About uh, to, to take down the Shrek movies, and they wrote a letter back to them, didn't they? They did. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the, the letter reads as follows. As you may or may not be aware, Sweden is not a state in the United States of America. <laughs> Sweden is a country in Northern Europe. Unless you figured it out by now, U.S. law does not apply here. For your information, no Swedish law is being violated. Please be assured that any further contact with us, regardless of medium, will result in A, a suit being filed for harassment, B, a formal complaint logged with the bar of your legal counsel for sending frivolous legal threats. It is the opinion of us and your, our lawyers that you are dot, 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 morons, and that you should please go, uh, the rest of this cannot be read on the radio. Bleep, uh, anyway. bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> but anyway, you can see how the folks from the Pirate Bay point out very clearly, you know, obviously copyright laws are being violated here in the U.S. because folks are downloading things from the servers, from mm-hmm. Pirate Bay servers over in Sweden, um, but it doesn't violate laws in Sweden. No. No. So and that's I, the issue that we're running into. Here. Sweden is actually pretty open in terms of, um, in in terms of like uh, uh, downloading, you know, and and sharing copyrighted material, especially copyrighted material that's not from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, they even have a political party. Uh, it's like the pirate political party over there that actually. Do you get an yeah, eye patch if you join? I hope so. <gasps> that would be sweet, or Let's a pa- or at least a parrot or something, or jug of rum. Yeah, wooden leg. Yar. <laughs> speaking of um, speaking of difficulties getting uh, content, Andy, you were talking about something with Hulu. Yeah, so this I I saw this um, on a site that it's it's basically a rumor, but it's, um, it's saying that um, Hulu is working with Disney um, and Comcast, who respectively own NBC and Fox and NBC. Or I'm sorry, uh, ABC is who owns Com- Comcast, but Fox and NBC. And other cable providers to say that you cannot have access to Hulu unless you're a paid subscriber to oh, one of those cable no. providers or a satellite provider. So, um, oh boy, definitely they're feeling the pinch um, that you know, a lot of us don't watch cable TV anymore and get all of our uh, watch all of our shows streaming for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I certainly do. I mm-hmm. can't remember the last time I actually watched a live television <laughs> broadcast. Oh yeah. Um, Except for football games, maybe at, so you know a live event, but foosball. S- you know, <laughs> and definitely there's been a lot. I know Ooh. I I've certainly dropped my my uh, cable television subscription, and I used to get Directv, and uh, mm-hmm. just found that we were paying a lot for it and not getting a lot mm-hmm. out of it. And apparently, a lot of people are doing that. Well, um, even even live events. Teresa was saying live football. Even live, I've seen live events on YouTube. You know, they 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 now have like a whole area on youtube for stuff that is streaming live you know at this very moment so is it that far off to say that we'll be seeing live football events on hulu or youtube or that kind of thing in well, the future doesn't doesn't espn do yeah they do they do. Live espn streaming? does some live streaming but you need right. don't you need some sort of a subscription for that oh yeah, yeah. through yeah so that's kind of what the, that's kind of what they're looking at and other other uh Channels like HBO, Showtime do the same kind of thing where you have to, you can do streaming shows, but you have to be a paid subscriber. So right. that's basically what Hulu is looking at doing. Yeah. Um, 
to obviously increase their revenue and get these uh, and cable I, companies it, off their back. I end. wonder how they're gonna how they're gonna do that though, because like, okay, so I I am I am one of the very few majority of of tech guys nowadays that actually I actually do still have a cable subscription, um, and I actually do just kind of randomly sit down and watch and just turn on turn on cable and just kind of surf through the channels. Just because, like, you know, I, I I enjoy, like, oh, I wonder what's on TV right now. I'll just, you know, mindlessly surf through and see what's on there. Um, but, you know, I, I can understand if you're looking for a, to watch a specific program, you know, whenever you want it, Hulu would definitely be the thing for you. And I also do mm-hmm. watch Hulu quite a bit. But, um, uh, but you know, I'm wondering how they're going to enforce that because, yes, I do have a, you know, cable subscription, but uh, I certainly do not use any of the... Uh, logins or any of the email addresses that that go with my cable subscription. You yeah. Know, like, apparently, if you're with Charter, you get like a Charter.net email or, right. or something I, like that. I've and, never used mine either, so I wonder how that would work. Yeah. So I mean, like, are you gonna have to log in with your Charter credentials, or do you set up a new account? You know, I, yeah. I don't even know how the that implementation would even... of it definitely sounds a little shaky. I don't know how they would really accomplish it, but um... mm-hmm. but still, I mean. I, I I just can't I can't see this being good for Hulu at all. It, it's one of those things where, um, you know, if you if you know your for anyone that generally knows their way around the internet, there are ways of watching, you know, a, a content basically even you know even an hour after it comes out on the, on the TV online. It may not be legal, and you know, there's no. We're not saying go do this uh, by any means, Mm-mm. but um, but it's just it's out there. Well, there are ways of doing yeah. it. I just see this parallel too with like, for instance, a service like Pandora. So a while back, they instituted a forty-hour cap, and that didn't last very long because their listenership went r- down dramatically. Right, and people were like, "Oh, I'm going to listen to something on Spotify instead. Forget it." Sure. And so they got rid of that because they were losing ad revenue. And Hulu right now, the only way they are making money is via ad revenue. So I really don't see it as a good business model for them. But. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can tell how how little the ad revenue pays because I remember when Hulu first came out, you you'd have you'd watch a show and you'd have like one ad. It had like one commercial. That was awesome. And now you have like seven. Yeah. <laughs> now it's right. like now it's like normal TV breaks where you're just kind of like. Although you know. I I will say that watching TV on a computer versus on an actual television is great because then when the commercial comes up, I open up a new tab <laughs> and I start <laughs> doing other stuff and, and I just start keeping an ear out. But <laughs> I suspect what they'll start doing is you ever. I mean, I don't know if, if either of you have used Spotify. But um, when you listen to Spotify and then an ad comes on, I tried to mute it and the ad pauses. It knows. And even when I turned the volume down low, there was a threshold where it knew I just simply turned it down too low and it waited for me. Wow. wow. Now, if I used external speakers, I would get around that because it wouldn't know. Low tech turn off. It wouldn't know. But I suspect that Hulu and other companies, they they will come up with a way to tell when, you know, you've opened a new tab or it's not your active window and it'll wait Uh so that you're forced to do that. Now you could get around that, I suppose, with dual monitors or something. I don't know. It's only a matter of time before we have blipverts in our brains. (laughs) Yeah. Uh I I was wondering when they were going to when they were going to figure that out. Like, you know, we just switched tabs when the ads mm-hmm. come on and and to add to put something in there that you're you know have to have to be on something specific mm-hmm. but pretty soon they're just gonna be yeah watching your brainwaves to see if you're actually paying attention wee, to the wee, show wee, 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 
Mm-hmm. If you're not paying attention, it'll pause and wait for you. <laughs> well, we got time for one more um, one more uh, news story here before so, we have to go. Do, uh, do you guys have any? Otherwise, I've got, I've got something if you don't. Oh, yeah. I, I was just going to mention the Facebook thing. But. Oh, there's a Facebook thing? Oh, okay. We always like hearing Facebook let's, drama. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's so, do it. So Zuckerberg was on like one of the big news shows last night, and I just okay. found this article about it. And he's basically asking people... Um, to um, become or- organ donors and to note that on Facebook. Huh. So what do you guys oh, think about that? So that if you get in an accident or something, someone can actually look it up on Facebook whether you're an organ donor. I'm, I'm not sure if, if, if that's... <laughs> Is that the point? Real, I, I don't know if that's the point or if it's just to bring awareness, bring awareness to the whole organ donor thing. I but think it would be funny if it was used that way. Though, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. hey, you look know? them up on... Oh, yeah. Here, you uh, might as well... Okay, if you're going to list that you're an organ donor, we actually have a number of other questions about what what's yeah. your blood type. Um, do you have any allergies? Do you... I mean, you could really get into I can, it. I can just see, you know, um, the Grim yeah. Reaper coming onto your page and clicking like. You go to oh a, a third world country that is infamous for body snatching or something, and they check out your face. Oh, he's an organ organ donor. Organ donor. We'll take that. Uh, they they took my tongue there. From, yeah. So. That's kind of creepy. That's yeah, that is uh, that. That's what I thought yeah. right away. I was just like, I don't know if I want that information mm-hmm. out there forever. I, on the any internet. kind of health or medical information. Yeah. I don't know about that. I, I mean, it's kind of great that he's trying to bring awareness. Towards, that is great. And, and certainly, if you want to do that, donating an organ and saving someone's life is a very nice thing to do. But I don't know if I want that broadcast. No. On the internet. No. And besides, I mean, like, why? Why would you bring? Other than bringing awareness to it, you know, it's kind of. It kind of seems mm-hmm. like it's like, a, oh, I'm an organ donor. I'm a good person. You know, you should like my status or something like that. You know, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, if you're gonna be an organ donor, do it for your own purposes. Don't do it for a Facebook status. Sure. That reminds me though of um, this product I saw that I I keep meaning to buy because I I go running a lot. Is this thing called a Road ID? Um, and you can get this, this little bracelet or, you know, it goes around your ankle and they actually recommend that you wear it all the time. But um, it's got, you know, your name, uh, an emergency contact phone number and mentions things like whether you're an organ donor, if you have any allergies or anything like that. But one thing I thought was cool, the part that's related to technology, aside from the fact that you can buy it online, is that they also have a version of this wristband that will tell them, I, I believe, where to go online, how to access the information. So it's information that you could keep up to date. Ah. So then if... Someone found you, you were in an accident, you passed out, which is something, you know, they can look at this band, go look it up online quick, and then figure out all this information about you, especially if you can't be identified otherwise. Sure, sure. You know, that would be great. All right, well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Guy in the studio here about the brand new Wiscal. So stay with us. Check us out online. Do it.wist.edu forward slash radio. Subscribe on iTunes. And, of course, email us anytime you'd like. Radio at doit.wist.edu. We'll be right back after this.
And now, the Do It Live three disclaimers with that guy who does all of the voices for the movies. In a world of technology, the opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. One man, one mission, one products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology, aka Do It, and other university departments, as well as drawings and giveaways, may only be available to students, faculty, staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison. Coming this summer, participants of this broadcast may offer opinions or recommendations. However, they do not endorse, nor has any consideration been provided on behalf of the products or services discussed. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Do It Live. You know, every year, 5,000 people die, and more than 130,000 people are injured in trucking accidents. That's more Americans than have died from terrorism on American soil. So if you're driving a tractor trailer semi-truck, WCM reminds you to consider the following safety tips. One, please take care of yourself, just like your mother always told you. Two, please slow down in work zones. Three, be aware of your blind spots. Four, always keep your distance. Five, always maintain your vehicle. Six, always drive defensively. And please remember, I don't want to have to tell you again, fasten your seatbelt. This has been a truck driving safety tip from WSUM. The snake on that there darn lake. out online do it edu forward slash radio you can subscribe to our podcast go to itunes and type in do it live into the search bar and you will find our podcasts so subscribe and check out the podcasts online and uh you can email us radio at do edu and tell us all sorts of uh, thoughts and and give any suggestions for shows coming up anything like that uh and today we have a very special guest in the studio here uh, stepping in here, Mr. Guy Stoniker, and uh, and and Guy. A lot of people mispronounce your name because there's a there's a hidden L in there, isn't there? Well, the L's not hidden. You oh. just don't say it. <laughs> it's a silent. It's a silent L. Silent L. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. For for years, I was like Guy Stoniker, and you probably get that quite a bit. All the time. Yeah, and uh, and Guy is on. Uh, you're on the Wiscal team. Is that correct? I've actually been the the sole one hundred percent. Uh, employee for Wiscal for 10 years. You are wow. Wiscal. I am the calendar guy. <laughs> and and he's here today because we're talking about the brand new, this is very exciting, the brand new Wiscal. There's a brand new Wiscal that's coming out. Um, you know, a, a bunch of the people out there who have used Wiscal, myself included, uh, have kind of gotten used to the old, you know, now, the now, what what will be the, the old Wiscal uh, for years and years and years. And and now there's a brand new 
version of it coming out and is kind of integrated up into Whiskmail. Okay, Guy, can you tell us a little bit about more about it? Give it kind of a general overview of what's new. Um, what we're actually doing uh, is we're so the old Whiskal is reached its end of life, and Oracle is going to see support for it. So, so Oracle was the, the person that, uh, or the, the not the person, the, <laughs> the company. The company that made it. That made it, okay. And um, because of that, uh, we, we're under a time constraint. We have to have it done by June 30, mm. and we don't want the Chancellor's calendar or anybody else's calendar to be on an unsupported system. That would be that terrible. That where would, would he know to go then, right? <laughs> <laughs> or how would anyone else know where he is? Where he exactly. is. It, yeah. Which he might like, but um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've had this project for three years to uh, find a replacement. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been an awful lot going on with that over the last three years. We had a lot of people who make calendar products come to campus and do presentations a year ago. Mm-hmm. So we had a selection made, and it was this product. Now, what's interesting about this particular nice. product, it's a product that, um, that we've actually been using for a long time. Really? We've only been using the email part. So all oh. of you know it as WhiskMail. And oh. if you log into my UW Madison and you go to your Wismail client and open that up and you see the Wismail that you normally see with mm-hmm. the list of folders and all your emails in them, uh, what's going to happen when we make this thing go live at the beginning of June is you'll have a new part down at the bottom left corner that says calendar. Whoa. And that's where your calendar will be. So it's all, it's like a one stop shop. It's yes. kind of all in one place. Yes. And I was saying earlier, kind of, it, I was one of the people that was uh, uh, an early beta tester of this. So I actually have. The, the new calendar up and 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 I use it um, and you know I was saying earlier it kind of reminds me a little bit of of the gcal the Google calendar um, and you were saying not quite as much I mean well this, this the big difference between the old calendar and the new one is the calendars actually have changed over the years okay and Google had a, a big hand in that uh, the biggest difference is that in a lot of systems now you can have more than one calendar in an account mm-hmm Google was a prime mover for that. Apple was a prime mover for that. Their old Apple iCal on a Macintosh lets you have more than one. Right. This new calendar system does the same thing. The old calendar system did not do that. You had one account with one calendar. Now you have more. That's great. So you can make like a personal calendar. You can make a work calendar. You can make a calendar for your... Your Dungeons and Dragons group that meets every Wednesday, right? I mean, like, yeah. who gets to play Skyrim at what time? Exactly. Whoa. Yeah. Or the student org you might belong to, or a soror- sorority or fraternity you might belong to, or your dorm floor, all sorts of ways that you can do that. Yeah. And I guess maybe maybe the reason I was just saying it looks kind of reminded me of Google Calendar is because um, on the old WISCAL, at least in the web interface, it was kind of difficult to, like, click and drag, and, you know, the user interface on that wasn't quite as as slick as as one would have it on on the Google Calendar. But mm-hmm. on this new one, you can, you know, click and drag and make, you know, nice little uh, meetings. You can click and move them around. I, it's it's really slick. I really like it, you know. Yes. So, th- so the old calendar is quite old. I mean, that, that technology is over five years old. Oh, it's wow. just old. So in computer HTML. terms, that would probably be like 90, 90 years old. You know, yeah. Like a nine, you know. About. <laughs> so the, the new client, this is the new web uh, webmail client that was deployed about two or three years ago, mm-hmm. gives you those abilities to click and drag, drag, you know, uh, to, well, th- that's one of the features that you can do, yes. Sure, yeah. Um, so what uh, what are you excited about with this new calendar? What do you think campus is going to use the most with this new calendar? I think probably it's going to be an outgrowth of some, some developments that, that have been happening over the last several years. We, um, because the old calendar had certain constraints, we actually 
developed a new application that worked with that old calendar we called Scheduling Assistant. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. And that came out of uh, the School of Nursing. No. Said, you know, we have advising scheduling we do. We would like to have a better way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And we actually wrote an application to do that. And it's become widely used. So, for instance, during SOAR, that's coming up this summer, all of the schedules, uh, all of the meetings that are made during SOAR are made using the scheduling assistant. Oh, wow. Incoming SOAR students and the advisors for them. I had no idea. So what we think is that over time we'll actually see increased student use of the calendar system as we see increased student use uh, or increased use of the scheduling system as that. Okay. You were saying uh, earlier when we were talking um, uh, that out of – what, like 70,000 people, 40,000 people are using the calendar currently? Is that, is that right, or do I have those number, numbers right? When we were doing our analysis of data migration, because, of course, we have to get data from the old system into the new, right. um, there are 40,000 accounts that have data in them. Ah. So that's, that's where that, that 40,000 figure comes from. And that's actually a very, very large number of people that, that have calendar data. And yeah. you said, Ty, that's out of 70,000 people? Out of 70,000 okay. total accounts. I can only imagine that that's going to grow a lot as people were frustrated <coughs> with the old client that they've been waiting for something new, mm-hmm. so rather than you go, well be, yes. go to something like Google Calendar, rather mm-hmm. use something right. that they yep. can inc- integrate with their WISC mail right. that they're using already. And there are other integration possibilities. The landscape has changed. Our mm-hmm. old calendar is a technology that was literally 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been standards developed in the calendaring world that this new calendar supports. Like what? What? Well, the term that you'll hear is a term called CalDAV, C-A-L-D-A-V. I like how that sounds already. The nice thing about (laughs) CalDAV is if you have a client that understands CalDAV, think of uh, similarities like a male client Mm -hmm. that understands male. So, I mean, most users don't understand what's going on in the background. But basically, Mm -hmm. your male client talks to a male server. Sure. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. Calendar client talks to a calendar server. But... Probably you don't realize that in the in the mail world, it doesn't matter whether you're using a mail client on Apple or a mail client on Linux or a mail client on Windows, whether it's Outlook or whether it's Thunderbird, all of them can talk to exactly the same mail server. They mm-hmm. all talk to Wismail. It doesn't matter because all the clients support that mail protocol. Because right. it's all using kind of the same backbone. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the same thing is going to be able to happen for Calendar. Um, and matter of fact, in this new system, the, the vendor, the people who write the calendar, only give us one client, and that's the web client. Oh. All the other client possibilities are CalDAV-capable clients. So it's basically up to the user. Whatever calendar system they like to use, they can use it. Yes. So this means I'll finally be able to use WISCAL through my iPhone. That is exactly it's gonna what It's going to be mobile, oh. finally. Oh. Hallelujah. I'm so, so relieved. If you're, if you're an Apple user, uh, and uh, so both Apple's iCal on the Mac, mm-hmm. or if you use an iPhone or an iPad, you just go into the accounts and you create a new account for the calendar, and it just works. That's amazing. And, I, I, you know, Andy said earlier there was some people that, you know, since you're, we're using this old technology for the calendar, they were, you know, kind of frustrated with the, the web view. And I, I got to admit, I was one of those guys. It, I, yep. I jumped over to GCAL so quick, uh, you know, and, and, and now I'm very excited because um, with the old WISCAL, you kind of had to jump through quite a few hoops in order to get it to kind of show up in a GCAL and to have them talk to each other. Yeah, I have the same problem with iCal. And now, uh, so now you're saying with this new CalDAV system, it's going to be easier for not only maybe uh, calendaring software to look at WISCAL, but possibly also between separate calendars, separate servers? It should be true. Okay. If, 
if you have configured things correctly, that you can create an event using Apple iCal, mm -hmm. and it will show up in your web client directly. Oh, and there's no, it, it's not that's segregated. That if you create an event <laughs> using Windows, using Thunderbird and Lightning, which is the CalDev calendar and Lightning, yeah, um, it just shows up. Oh, that's amazing! Wow. I, I could cry. It's I'm just, gonna have one. I'm just gonna have one calendar. We're so excited! <laughs> I'm so excited. One calendar that works. I can see it everywhere <laughs> and make events and share it with other people. Yes, yeah, I might oh show boy. up on time for things. <laughs> 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 it's a miracle, a Christmas miracle. So, will the new calendaring system also have built-in email notifications? I I like using that. I like when someone schedules me for something, I get, get an email reminder. too. Yeah. Yes. Great. Hey. So you can configure, for instance, um, in, the, in the Macintosh world, you can tell it when you're configuring the calendar that you want it to interface with the mail app mm -hmm. so that if calendar stuff comes into the mail app, it all automatically shifts over into iCal. Um, yeah, it's, we're, that's from, from my perspective as someone who's always been on the backside helping folks when they have problems, uh, having something like an iPhone that works like email works, that right. just talks to the calendar without some fancy syncing thing sitting between the two of them it's probably going to probably going to be a lot less work on 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 your your side of things right my my colleague Ari and i spent most of our time doing support for syncing oh yeah i remember um what was it called it was something that you did download a specific uh, like an app to actually sync between your iphone yes. and was it what was sync ml was sync that ml Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, so syncing goes away. The sync email server thing—that's all gone. Mm -hmm. And you just configure your device to talk to the calendar server directly. That's just beautiful. Like email. That's beautiful. It's going to be great. Um, uh, so, so you can get multiple calendars with this new system. Um, subscribing to other calendars is 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 easy. Um, I, and you know, I was going through the training uh, online. I saw some of the you know, and, and of course, I've got the little beta uh, version up here that I've been using. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me was uh, finding um, the, the little app for finding a time when everybody's free. Yes. Can, you, can you talk about that a little bit? So most countering applications provide some functionality that whereby you can search for when people are, are free. Mm. So rather than just create a meeting at, at 9 o'clock on Monday and you send it out and the person responds back, oh, I've already got something happening at 9 o'clock on Monday, mm -hmm. there's a functionality in the application that you can go see first if they're actually free at nine o'clock on Monday. And in this product, it's called Check Availability. And when you open a new meeting, go down to the bottom, there's a link that says, do this, and it pops up a new window, and you can go through the process to determine if somebody's free or not. So in the old WISCAL, you actually had to schedule the meeting, and then it would say some of the participants are busy or? Well, the old WISCAL actually provided this feature, but yeah, it actually probably it, was yeah. not very user visible friendly to it, most yeah. people. Mm -hmm. it wasn't quite as robust I'm, I'm looking through the new one and, and it's really it's really slick i gotta say it, it comes up it's got a little graphical interface you can hit a button to say just like you know find the next time and it just whoop, it just finds the next time that everybody's available you can say earlier later it just finds the <laughs> like you know if you want to do another hour it's i like it a lot i think it's going to be does it know not to suggest times at three in the morning <laughs> that I can't speak to. Uh, Guy, what do you think? No, 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 I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Chancellor, I would like to meet with you at 3 in the morning. All these meetings are at 3 a.m. Because uh, no. there are things that students do at 3 a.m. that <laughs> They could schedule <laughs> something. Yes. Yeah. They, they could. They could schedule something. Um, the, now, one of the things that we've been warned uh, about here with uh, some of the transition is that um, the if you have like a Wiscmail Plus account and a normal NetID account, 
um, you know, the, the, the calendar data is not going to be the same or it's going to be you, you get one calendar for each account. Can you talk to that a little bit for uh, anybody out there who's got multiple accounts kind of floating out in the ether? So we know that at, at the UW that um, that everybody gets an account because they activate their NetID. So mm-hmm. you'll have your NetID at wist.edu account. But we have a lot of folks who, who have other email accounts. Um, some people have email accounts on a separate part of WISMail that they've always called WISMail Plus. Uh-huh. So, for instance, folks that work at Doit may have an, a name at doit.wisp.edu, or folks who work at, at College of Agricultural and Life Sciences may have one at thatcals.wisp.edu. So they'll get two accounts, and mm-hmm. at some point they have to decide which of those two is going to be my calendar for work purposes. They can use both of them, but at some point they have to decide if I'm going to, somebody wants to schedule me for work purposes. <coughs> I need to, to make a decision which of those two it will be, and then I need to make sure that the campus directory has that mm. uh, has that one as listed as my primary one for work purposes. And we have some documentation, some help, some KB documents that explain what all that's about, why you have to do that, mm-hmm. and what to do to, to make sure that the campus directory has the right email address for you. And for anybody out there who is interested in reading that, uh, you can go to the knowledge base, uh, which is just helpdesk.wisstudy.edu or kb.wisstudy.edu. There's a bunch of different links to the knowledge base out there. If you search for WISCAL new, so WISCAL, one word, space new, you'll get all of the new documentation for the WISCAL, and you can read through all that. You guys even have a, a really slick um, uh, series of videos yes. for training. Um, is there is there an easy-to-remember website address where people can go look for that, or is that also in the KB? Or? Um, if you go to the KB and search for web training, web training, um, th- that will come up. And we've actually got self-guided training that basically is within the KB document system, and it provides access to those videos. If anybody needs an accessible version, uh, there's also, if you go to that very first page of the web training, there's an accessibility link at the top okay. that provides access to documents that include transcripts that are time-indexed oh, against great. the videos, so you can actually use those to, to follow along, mm-hmm. watch the video, t- and, and read what's being said in it. Um, we've created well over 300 documents Wow! in the KB f- for this product, and it's Whoa. migration. And, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest here. This thing is so, you know, user-accessible. I don't know, you know, 300 documents <laughs> might be a little overkill. I found it super easy to use. The first time I set it up, but uh, maybe I'm just used to or a lot of calendars of the just, future. Uh, are they just for the transition period? Just well, well, unlike, say, the, the last version of the calendar, mm-hmm. the clients from the last version of the calendar actually came from the company that wrote it. That was the that, Oracle. The Oracle calendar. Oracle calendar. Mm-hmm. That's not true in this version. Only one of those clients, the web client, comes from the company that writes the software. Oh. So what we did oh. is we, we created okay. documents for the web client. But then we created a parallel set of documents for all the other clients that one can use. So there's a set of documents for Outlook 2007. Mm-hmm. There's a set of documents for or- for Thunderbird Lightning. I see. A set of documents for Apple iCloud. So similar to what iPad, we have for Wismail. Yes. So you're kind of covering all bases. There. Covering all the bases. Yeah. So that would that would make sense why there's 300 of them. Yes. <laughs> you must read them all. Because we have a lot of Wiskmail ones in the the help desk knowledge base. You want to set up Wiskmail on anything, and they've got. A million documents. They do. Well, one, one of the things about this project that's rather interesting is, um, you know, the calendar team traditionally has only been a couple people. The mail team has been much larger because that project is actually much larger. It has sure. far more many servers that all this mail stuff sits on and runs. 
And when it was decided to deploy this particular calendar product as part of that mail system, it's mostly the mail guys who are doing all the work. Mm -hmm. And so we're really following their lead, and we're doing a lot of things the way that they've always done it. Hmm. Okay. Um, one of the uh, other things that uh, I thought was kind of neat, and I, I actually don't know off the top of my head if this is available uh, in Wiscal as is currently uh, currently the you know the quote unquote old Wiscal, uh, but you can you, you can really kind of fine tune your privacy settings on a lot of these calendars. Like you can tell people to manage your be able to manage your calendar. You can have people not see any calendar or any calendar data for you whatsoever if you really want it. Yes. So I thought. So when Ty steps, sets up his mani pedi, he doesn't have to show everyone. <laughs> oh what it boy! Is. I'm gonna make my own calendar for mani pedi, <laughs> and you can't see it. Denied. You can't see it. I at guess all. you don't get mani pedis, Andy. No. <laughs> <laughs> not recently, anyway. No. Well, you're not even gonna get an invite to do it. Oh, oh terrible. Darn. Oiled again. Uh, you can also, I saw, you can also create kind of a, a group in your address book like you do for Whisk uh, Mail and use it to Im yes. to invite people, you know, to your WhiskCal invites. So it's kind of like putting everything that you do all in one easy, yes. easy to find place. Yeah, so, mm. you know, the, the whole idea here that people want, want to understand is that this is an interactive scheduling system. Mm -hmm. So everybody has an account. Everybody can be scheduled. So the privacy rights allow you to share just the calories you want to share at the level you want to share them mm -hmm. and allow you to expose the ability for people to invite you to a meeting or not at the level you want, want to be exposed. But because everybody has an account, um, you can use this thing for anything that you can think of that relates to groups of people getting together to mm -hmm. do things. Study sessions are a prime example of something that you can use this for. You can create a group for my biology 101 section 12, uh, the group of us who want to study together, and you can create a calendar for it, or you can just create a group mm -hmm. and you know have everybody come together and and meet for study sessions or any other kind of function that you can think of. I'm wondering if um, the, you were talking about all this scheduling for you know different um, events, especially for students, if. Um, uh, there's any involvement with the um, with WIN, the Wisconsin Involvement Network that's popped up. I think it's fairly recent that they've shown up, um, and it's it's I think it's an attempt to get all the student orgs and events on campus so that in in a uh, place where where students can um, I don't think they have to create an account, but they can join groups there. And if there's there will be a link that says you know create a WISCAL event here or something like that so that it's it's readily accessible with this website. I confess I've never heard of that. Oh really? Yes. <laughs> we were talking about that I think a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Win I think it's win.wisc. What? It has a built-in calendar. It has a built-in calendar. Oh, Sandy, Sandy says it has built-in calendar. Okay. So how do you subscribe to that? Huh. Yeah. Interesting. We have stumped the You're calendar man. The people. <gasps> <laughs> well. There are a lot of calendars on this campus. Right. Yes, there are. At one point, there were far more than the three or four that we have now. So. Oh, wow. All right. Um, so I guess uh, my final question about the calendar would be, tell us a little bit about how people could use the calendar, uh, not as a you know, personal calendar, but uh, tell us about maybe group calendars and how that works. Okay, well, to, to reiterate, reiterate what I said a moment ago. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's in the system and everybody has an account, yeah. any group of people who can conceive, conceive of a reason for scheduling that group for any purpose, uh, literally, 
It can be study sessions. Uh, it can be, I mean, frankly, it can be parties. It can be dinner with friends. Mm -hmm. It can be softball games. You know, anything where you've got a group of people who you want to, you want to, uh, you know, make sure that they all know to be at some place at some time mm -hmm. on Sunday. Everybody can use it because well, everybody has an account. I'm saying more for like, uh, for like scheduling. Like maybe if maybe you've got a, a bunch of people that use uh, like a community car or something like that. Can you can yes. you make a calendar just for the car and like have everybody have ownership in that calendar rather than have it be linked to anybody's personal calendar or that kind of thing? Well, actually, because like a resource calendar, like a resource like the, calendar. That's what, that's what, what I'm looking Wiscal. for. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things about this calendar, because you can have multiple calendars per account, mm -hmm. no one has to actually think I'm creating a resource calendar. You can create five calendars and one of them can be our car mm -hmm. and you can give anybody on the system the rights to see it and schedule it. Oh, okay. And then so all the people you've given those rights to can subscribe to it. They can see it and then they can then use it. That's really handy. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a, like a, a formal resource resource. Okay. okay. It's just a calendar that everybody can see and use. Ah. And any one cool. person can, can do that. Oh, I have another question So you can use it then. for vacation scheduling yeah. or checking out vehicles. Yeah. Or you know, most departments on campus will actually want to use kind of the formal resource thing, but anybody can do that. I was going to ask if there's a way to even export the events at all so that um, folks who are not affiliated with the university can be notified of events, even if they can't be an attendee per se, but if they can uh, put it in their own calendars. Well, one, one of the interesting things about this product is you don't have to have an account on the calendar system to be invited to a meeting. Oh, that's great. Because in this new system, an email address is the unique identifier for a person. You can use any email address. Oh, you just cool. add, wow. it, add it to the attendee list, and they will get a notice about it. So you can use WISCAL for literally anything. Just, I mean, like. Well, you could use it to host a conference where you have people visiting. You <laughs> yes. could use it for your family. Any, yes. any, anything Scheduling Christmas. wise is what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to use it strictly within the university. It can be used for just about anything, any I group of people. I mean, you know, I mean. Well, not a business. Except for a business. Not yes. a business. You wouldn't yep. want to do that. You can't profit from it. No, no Darn political, no businesses can't do that. Their plans are foiled. Ah, <laughs> there are terms of service. You That's want to true. read them. That's yeah, true. and obey. I can't. I, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, I can't use it for Ty is awesome LLC. Darn uh, it! But it's great for departments that hold conferences and they invite dozens and dozens of people from all over the place that are mm -hmm. university affiliated, not university affiliated, and then they they can actually invite them and have yes. it in a calendar. Yep. Yes. Wow. Well, uh, guy, this this new product sounds like a wonderful, wonderful new calendar, and I'm I like it. I've been beta testing it for a while now, and I can't wait till it's till it comes out. I think it's really going to make a, a big impact uh, on the university, and think I think it's going to be a great thing for the university. So we hope so. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show to talk to yes, us. Yes, thank it. you. Well, it looks like our hour is just about up, so we've come to the end of another episode of Do It Live. Thanks very much for listening out there. We've got some people that we'd like to thank as well. Special thanks go out to our management team at the Division of Information Technology, Ryan Hansen, Edward Hoover, Brian Rust, Sean Bossinger, and Bill Zimmerman. Do It's Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman, and our CIO and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Bruce Moss. Today's broadcast was produced by Ty Christian, that's me, and Sandy Cyberlick. Our associate producers are Laura Grady, Teresa Saldana, and Andy Muchleski. Our on-air producer and director of e-communications is Matt Rockwell, and our theme music is from Conan. The executive producers of Do It Live are Ty Christian and Adam Wiesenfarth. Join us next time for another action-packed hour of Tech Talk. And in the meantime, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. Check out our website, 
doit.wisp.edu forward slash radio. And if you want to get a hold of us, email us radio at doit.wisp.edu. We'll see you then. Yeah.